With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hello, friends. Welcome again to the Tennis in 10 podcast. Hope you're enjoying these. Uh, this is Ed McGrogan, as always, for Tennis.com at the U.S. Open. And um, we look back on day five at the Open. Moving now, uh, getting some people into the second week, of course. The round of 16 halfway uh, halfway assembled by now on, on both the men's and women's draws. And uh, a few surprises yesterday, I got to say, you know, two Americans in particular who I you have to express some disappointment in, uh, that would be, and, you know, the one American who prevailed, I have to say, did not think that would happen. So I think every result involving an American man yesterday did not go according to my predictions or thoughts. Let's start maybe with John Isner and Kyle Edmund. And, and Isner, uh, who loses actually in a four-set tiebreaker, um, just I think another sort of personification of, of what this year has been to him. It has not been one of it has not been a, a successful year, I would even say, for Isner, who lost his grip on the top-ranked American title to Steve Johnson. Um, but this, you know, a loss like this, honestly, is even is even more disappointing than that. To go and fall to an unseated um, player who does not have the experience that Isner has on this stadium, in this tournament, you know, in, in Grand Slams in general. Um, and with, you know, honestly... I wouldn't say I certainly would not say the opportunity to beat Novak Djokovic. Uh, I think that's taking it perhaps even a step further. It's you know it's just getting the chance to play Djokovic at, 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 in a form that we don't really know what the Serb has yet. We we saw Djokovic advance to the fourth round uh, via retirement. He advanced to the third round via walkover. And he won his first round match looking very less than convincing. Now I'm sure Djokovic, by this point, you would think is probably, you know, shaking off a bit of those cobwebs, considering he's had so much time to just practice and recuperate. But I can think of very few players that Djokovic would want to play in a full match back after really having almost four or five days off than Isner. And Isner just does not take advantage of the draw he's given. I mean, Edmund is a fine player, but but there are certainly worse third round opponents that he could have he could have met up with. And you know, just it just lets a chance slip by here. And um, when we look back at Isner's career down the line, I wonder if we're going to look at it as one of the great overachievements in tennis or 
truthfully one of the one of the sizable you know underachievements considering that his serve is probably one of the 10 you know one of the 10 most if not greatest most important or you know just unique shots tennis has ever seen and it just you know for all his baseline limitations you have to give you have to give Isner credit on how far he's been able to get he's gone deep at very significant tournaments uh not at slams and i think that's you know the the best 3 of 5 hurts in there but um this one i think really hurts and uh i think it's i think it kind of sums up his season thus far you know that's also, what I kind of want to mention about Ryan Harrison, who who beat uh, Raonic in the in the second round, and I thought was given you know another great opportunity to take advantage of this run, to keep it going, to not kind of rest on laurels here against Marcos Bagdadis, who who you know. Ten years ago on this day, we were uh, we were watching Andre Agassi say goodbye to the, to tennis. The man he was playing in the uh, the famous match of that run, his second rounder, the last win of his career was Baghdadis. Um, that honestly is, is pretty much when Baghdadis peaked in 2006 when he made the Australian Open final. He, I believe, made the Wimbledon semis as well, and and he has been a player who has uh, dealt with a lot of injury and up and down since that point. And I thought that. Given what we'd seen from Harrison uh, leading up to this point, getting through qualifying, just rebuilding, I think, his confidence in his game in general, um, I did expect a better effort from from him than against Baghdadis. And we just saw too many errors, just just loose play <clears throat> and not what we, you know, what's demanded of someone who wants to make the second round of, of a slam here. Um, I, I really think this was a missed shot for for Harrison, who I think will rue this moment himself. He's a very uh, cerebral player. He'll think about this. I hope what you know what he takes out of this week, this you know really week and a half at the Open, given that he qualified, is that he realizes what needs to be what needs to be done on on this stage to kind of return to here and even surpass it. He he still has age on his side. He's only 24. Um, you know, there there are there are doors waiting to be knocked down for players who are able to kind of realize their potential in time. Uh, I think this is sort of a transition transitionary period for the tour. I'm not saying by any means that the the top guys are are, are you know going away anytime soon, but. But in the middle, you know, there's a lot of room. There's a lot of just moving, uh, moving ground around them. And I think Harrison, from what he what he occasionally shows, you almost wonder just you know, why is he not, you know, thirty, forty ranking spots higher than what he is. And I think will I think this has to be one of his more, um, <clears throat> you know successful inspiring seasons on tour that he's had period but i i did uh was kind of surprised that he goes down 6-1 in the fourth to Baghdadis, you know again with that crowd obviously firmly in his side 
Now, saying that about those two, I, I think it's worth also, you know, as I look at the draw, uh, you get Jack Sock, who just really has no trouble with Marin It's the seven seed, the former champion, the number seven train is derailed um, as it approaches Main Street Flushing by Sock, who wins four, three, and three in an hour and 41 minutes. Um, this is the kind of performance that a lot of people have always sort of foreseen Sock as capable of doing, given his gifts, given his forehand, his serve as well. He never faced a break point in this match at all. Um, and it's what, you know, kind of attracted me to write about him for the magazine for a profile. I, I still find him, you know, one of the most intriguing young prospects in the game, in the American game too. You know, nobody has a forehand like like he does. And to to use that to reel in, you know, a, a player in Chilich who I certainly thought was um, capable of returning to the semifinals. Um, he would not, again, this is another guy who I think could, on the right day, could have troubled Djokovic. Um you know, given what we saw from Chilich in Cincinnati recently. Um, but a lot of credit to Sock in this one. He'll, he will play Joe Wilfried Sanga, um, you know, next up in the fourth round. And Sanga's been on a bit of a roll here, too. You know, he has a pretty impressive win over Kevin Anderson yesterday in straight sets 3 4 and 7 6. Um, Sangha and Sock is, I mean, that's a really hard-hitting match, of course, with these two. Um, it'll be a tough one for Sock, you know, to to follow up on this one. This is certainly going to be a high for him. Not sure what he was expecting out of his match with Chilich either. Uh, but Sangha, you know, he has been through a lot, a lot of... Uh, a lot of matches at this level, veteran experience, I think sort of underrated experience. Um, you know, Sangha is another sort of, another player who we've kind of wanted to see, you know, maybe break through a little bit more at the slams, but still top 10, still, you know, still knows his way around a best of five set match, you know, like few others. So, Wanda to hand those three Americans stay in the men's row. We'll get to the women's more um, tomorrow on the next tennis and 10. Be sure to return for our uh, daily recap from the U.S. Open. Thank you for listening. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.